What is up, you ledges? Hope you're all doing great. Welcome back to the Last Week Liquid podcast. My name is Simon, and I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I'm bringing you my chat with Jeroen and Alex, better known as NCT. Quick housekeeping as always before today's episode. Uh, we are on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Please go and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. Uh, rate the podcast if you're listening on Spotify. It's the small things that really help the podcast uh, and help other people uh, discover it. If you haven't yet, uh, do check out the Discord server. If you want to chat with other people listening to this podcast, uh, share your thoughts on the latest episodes and stuff like that. Discord is the place to do that. There should be an invite link in the description of this episode. And finally, as always, a huge shout out to my Liquid Legend supporters over on Patreon. Uh, Shoutouts this week to Christian Smith, Elliot Berger, George Elliot, Graham Metcalf, Nathan McKay and Steve Nelson. And big ups to all the other supporters as well on Patreon. On to the episode now. Had a lot of fun chatting with Jeroen and Alex. Uh, they have a really unique uh, story, as you learn, uh, in terms of how they got together and how they share responsibilities. Uh, which I found really inspiring and which I think uh, really speaks to the fact of just playing on your own strengths and something we can all learn from. Uh, we chatted a lot about how NCT formed uh, as a duo. We talk about the lasting impact of NetSky. We talk about the story behind some of the tracks on their remix album and a ton of other stuff. So yeah, really inspiring chat. Uh, a very unique story they had to share. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, feel free to get in touch with me over on my socials if you enjoy this episode or if you have any questions or comments, I respond to pretty much everybody. And in the meantime, I'll leave you to the episode. So as always, thanks a lot for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Last Week Liquid podcast. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Jeroen and Alex, better known as NCT. NCT have been a drum and bass duo for close to 10 years now, not to be confused with the K-pop band NCT, which appeared much, much later. One of Liquidity's homegrown, they epitomize the euphoric dance floor vibes that we all love. You can catch their latest release, the remix album of their 2020 release, Astrophysical, out now on all platforms. Jeroen, Alex, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Doing yeah. well. Doing really well. Doing, I doing good. Doing good. I, 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 was, uh, I was wondering, should I mention the K-pop stuff in the intro or not? And then I was like, fuck it, yeah, I'll, I'll mention it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you did perfect. Is that still something that comes up a lot or not? Because when I saw the Facebook post, I looked on YouTube and there isn't like that many. It's not like boom, 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 K-pop, K-pop everywhere, but... <laughs> on YouTube, it's actually pretty bad. Like, because uh, on YouTube, I guess we have the most views uh, of all platforms. And... Um, yeah, so people easily get confused uh, with these large view uh, videos. Um, people will easily get get the both mi mixed up. So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty it's still bad still, but uh, yeah. you know, we're just uh, making a joke out of it, sort yeah. of. Yeah, 
I think actually your post um, about um, you know st start behave and I mean we were the first uh, we're all based on our K-pop etc etc. It actually got shared by one of the K-pop Facebook oh, really? groups. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of like guys like everybody chill like. <laughs> yeah, either it's that or they just literally confuse us with entity again and just share everything that entity posts. <laughs> it kind of looked like that though, but. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been especially at the beginning when when uh, at least when when uh, the K-pop band started, um, it was really weird. We suddenly saw the Facebook likes, which was still a pretty big thing back then. Uh, th yeah, they they tripled in I think a couple of months or something like it. Mm. It was just just insane, and the, the messages that just came in from all over the world. <laughs> that was did, pretty insane yeah. did, did you like did you understand what was happening or was it like just oh fuck like we made it huge like everybody's <laughs> noticing was, us <laughs> at first yeah it was pretty confusing but um it was quite easy to uh find out like what was going on and uh yeah we, we weren't too happy to find out <laughs> what was going on <laughs> no, but yeah. i mean uh it is what it is so uh yeah, yeah. yeah. What you yeah. No, no, for sure. It, it started it started to get annoying where people will literally uh, send us messages. Yeah, you should change your name, etc., etc. You're just lifted on the success of NCT. And, yeah, that's yeah. Like you, you take two seconds to just scroll Spotify, and you'll see releases like 2010 or 2011, whatever. And it's like, okay, these guys came over and. I, I think I had a look earlier today and this was like 2015 or something or later. Uh, yeah, it's strange, man. The whole K-pop thing. I know it's huge, like even worldwide. I know like friends of my of my wife, like in Belgium or whatever, that are like huge fans of, of certain bands, K-pop bands. It's, I don't know, it's so different from what we know here in Europe. Yeah. Like the way they get put together and the way they operate it's so strange i i yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah they, they, they use groups right yeah 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 it's basically like the, like the, this nct k-pop band i had a look and it's like multiple people based across different cities so it's not really like one i don't know it's i i don't get it <laughs> it's strange but well, it works and they get built by success. So yeah, I mean, if, if for some reason we ever feel drama base eventually or we just get fed up with it, um, we might still yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. You can do a, an easy collab like NCT, XNCT. <laughs> that could be like interesting. <laughs> well, we tried to get in touch with them, but oh, yeah? it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, they probably yeah. think we're just another fan group that wants to have some attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they... Yeah. Yeah. Although they did release a song with a like quite like not very often used name that we released um, on uh, Mr. Suicide Sheep and okay. they released a track with the same name two weeks later, which oh, wow. was even more either coincidental or like something's actually going on. But uh, <laughs> so what, like the name of the track? The track was called uh, "Dancing in the Rain," okay. and it was on uh, it was on Suicide Sheep's uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, and uh, two weeks later, they uploaded a song called "Dancing in the Rain." Okay, that's getting like messed up. Yes, yeah. like really, like 
that was pretty weird. Pretty weird. I'm not sure what was going on there, but yeah. And if they lifted like the same sample or something, that would have been really fucked up. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a completely different song, but it made the fan bases even you know ten times more confused. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, th- those K-pop fans are like, it's like next level. It's like Beatles, Justin Bieber, all put together fandom. It's <laughs> insane. I don't get it, but yeah. Anyways, how are things do you, how are things in your part of the world? You're you're both in the Netherlands now, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. I mean things are finally reopening. Um we just had our first couple of shows. Um I got COVID. <laughs> so mm. that's but well um uh, timing's actually pretty good. We had a six show last Friday, don't have a show, comic weekend and then a the week after it's just uh, the whole Acoustic thing starts again. Mm. Um, so it's actually pretty good timing. So yeah, can't complain. The weather's good. Clubs are reopening. Festival season seems to be, yeah, shaping up nicely and coming along finally after two years without festival. So yeah. 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 I got my, uh, cause I have my ticket for liquidity, like summer festival, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think I got an email or I saw whatever, like a few weeks ago, like, okay, it's going ahead. And then they announced Netsky, which I was pretty, I'm pretty sure wasn't in the lineup. It wasn't the previous, the yeah, lineup, yeah. No. So they added Netsky. Alex I was actually like, booked them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you booked them, really? Yeah, I do the, do the bookings for Liquidity in the program. Oh, shit. How did that? Yeah, yeah, I saw because you posted it. You went to like full-time music and you joined Liquidity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I've been doing the bookings for roughly four years, I think. Um, and yeah, I've known those guys, obviously, for a long time. And even, even before Jerome and I started working together. Okay. I uh, got in touch with Mark and Marcus, um, and eventually that obviously grows and Joan and I, we play loads of liquidity shows so really intertwined with the whole family. And mm. obviously after, yeah, quite some backstage drinks and stuff, you just keep on chatting. Yeah, if you need some help, just let me know, just let me know. Um, I'm happy to help. Um, and eventually, yeah, a couple of years back, they asked me to join, which is for, for, for the bookings, for the programming. Nice. Um, and yeah, here we are. I just started full time at liquidity. Yeah. That's really cool. Because yeah. I think you mentioned that was your first, like, your full-time music now, like, yeah, music-related. Yeah, 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 yeah. That must be amazing, man. That's, like, still my goal, like, long-term somehow. <laughs> it is, it is. I still have to get used to it, though, especially now, these, these days, when, I'm, when I work at home. Um, uh, obviously, the last two years, I had my daytime, daytime job from home, so I was used to, you know, just do the daytime stuff, and then I go back up and do the bookings for, for shows that were going on it shows that we have to, had to postpone and now I'm here just doing liquidity the whole day and I feel like okay I'm, am I missing something am I still yeah. where's, the, where's the data and stuff this is all the stuff that I like where's the stuff that I don't like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's super cool man that's super cool yeah. uh, so, so j- just coming back to Netsky because wh- whenever I get a chance to talk about Netsky on this podcast <laughs> I do it because I'm I'm half Belgian I grew up in Belgium and Pretty yeah, pretty much got introduced to drum and bass in 2010 with his first album. That was like, like huge for me. Mm-hmm. So how how did you, how how does one book Netsky? Because he's obviously huge now. Um, well, you, you don't send uh, Boris a postcard, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now it, it, it takes uh, uh, a lot because he has to be available, obviously. Um, and 
um, yeah, there's always money involved, and it's just dealing with the agents. Uh, you don't deal with with Netsky directly, directly, obviously. But you just have to make sure that your story is solid. And obviously, he played Lequisti before. Uh, he knows what Lequisti is about, so that probably helped. Uh, yeah. Him there. Um, yeah. And yeah, you have to be a bit bold just to just to give it a go. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm still. It's my goal to have him on the podcast one day, and. I know I have to be bold one day and just like try, but I'm I'm scared because. Let, let, as, let, 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 let me know when you come to the festival and see if I can sort of meet up. Ah, that'd be, just yeah. that'd be a nice like opportunity, at least to like introduce him to the concept and then maybe down the line. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's usually how these things work. It's not like just ask the question and it's like, yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, no, that's really cool because I think the first time I went to Liquisti Summer Festival, I think he played... It was either the very first festival or the second one, I forget, but I'm pretty sure he was playing. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, he played one of those. Um, yeah, played before, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really sick that he's coming back to, obviously he did like his album with Hospital and coming back to his roots, so to speak. Uh, yeah. I found that really cool. I, th- I think, Jeroen, you mentioned in a, you did a video for the release of the album, you mentioned that Sky as well as like one of your like big influences as well, I think. Definitely the biggest, yeah. Yeah. What, what is it about sure. his music that you find so appealing? It's exactly what I'm what I'm trying to do as well. Like his, his little side trip um, to the hip hop stuff isn't really, but his when, we're t- when we talk about his drum and bass, that's kind of the same thing as, uh, as, as we're trying. Yeah. The poppy, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, exactly. It's just poppy, poppy it's dance floor, up, uplifting, right. uh, um, and it, it doesn't have to be like the, the deep underground stuff, especially when he came up in 2010. Uh, that was what the base was still about for, for a huge aspect, yeah. It has to be underground, it has to be a bit darker, and uh, I think he broke the barrier. Um, and obviously, he has, yeah, a huge impact on, on, on drum and bass in general, but I think especially in. Belgium and the Netherlands as well. Yeah. Did did he have such a, I guess he did, but did he have a huge impact in, in the Netherlands as well? I think so, yeah. Um, obviously, having someone in, in the country next door that, 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 that makes, you know, radio door base, basically. Um, we booked him, do you remember, Joe? We, bo- we booked him in The Hague once. I think that was just after the release of his first album, so it could be 2010. Um Maybe it was just, around that time, yeah. Yeah, maybe just 2010, 2011. Yeah, somewhere between 10 and 12. Um, but, but we sold out uh, a venue that hasn't been sold out with the, with the drum bass event. And we sold it out in advance and it hasn't sold out in, in years. Yeah, I think ADC was the last one that sold it out. And that, was, that was just huge. Uh, and obviously, um, radio picked it up in Holland. Um, and yeah, obviously in Belgium with uh, Stubru, um, yeah. yeah, the influence that he had on, on drum bass there. Um, working together with Hans from Murdo from Rampage, um, um, Hans helping him and in return Netsuke helping Hans with the productions and stuff and just, just, just the way, yeah, everything evolves, he played a big part in it. Yeah, yeah. I still remember him, seeing him in, uh, I think it was Lotto Arena in Antwerp. Uh, I think it's like 8,000 people or something, capacity. I, I'm not sure any like single drum bass act filled up the Lotto Arena since him. Maybe, but like it was huge. It was it was when he was doing his live show yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. 
It's fucking insane. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, and so, it shows that he did a Pucklepop and stuff, you know, just just the final yeah. final mainstay set of the Pucklepop. That's just something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Artists in general dream of doing stuff like that. Imagine being a drum bass artist and actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's huge. Yeah, and it's great to see him coming back to, to like, drum bass. I don't know if you heard his latest track, uh, Broken. I think it's called Broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard it. Yeah. It's really good. It's fucking awesome. I love it. It's so yeah, nostalgic. That's, that's the type of drum and bass that made me fall in love with drum and bass, you know? Mm. The heartfelt dance floor. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of his... Uh, and after that, we, we move on from Les Kai Pons. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of his, uh, his album uh, um, that he put out on Hospital, Second Nature? His com- comeback um, album. There, there are a lot of tracks on there that I really like. Um, my favorite is the collab with uh what is the band called again uh i forgot their name for a sec um rudimental rudimental yeah yeah, the rudimental collab that's my favorite but yeah yeah, there are lots of tracks on there that i really really like yeah 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 i think i mean the impact probably wasn't as big as his first two albums um but still uh uh, making his way back to drum bass um yeah the only thing that, that really makes it hard to, to, to compare, I think, is, is the timing because obviously COVID happened. Yeah. So um, he had a wicked tours in New Zealand, at least from what I saw. His old, uh, he did the Glass House thing though, right? Yeah. Yeah, that looked insane. That looked insane. And I'm pretty sure that he would have had a big tour with, with, with the same project here in Europe. But yeah, obviously COVID yeah. happened. So the impact is just, yeah, probably wasn't what it, what it could be. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's good to have him back on Zone base. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really looking forward to this summer. How how much are you guys looking forward to playing uh, the summer festival? Uh, I guess you're playing. Uh, I haven't checked actually, but yeah, yeah, we're, we're already announced, <laughs> so we're, we're not. <laughs> uh, no, no secrets here, but yeah, uh, f- for me, I mean, obviously, this summer festival will be special. The first one in three years, uh, actually being um, part of you know the, the the whole production side, so gotta be a little special, but. For me, playing the summer festival, I remember the first time that we did the main stage. Um, the first time in this new, in the Geesma Ambacht, uh, the new place where it's held. Um, I think we, we both nearly cried when we got off stage. Just, <laughs> just you know, full of euphoria and, and the, the, the whole Christy fan base chanting along with every song that you play, uh, including your own songs, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's, it's a magical place. Yeah, yeah, it still feels unreal. Like I have to, I have to be there to, you know. Oh uh, yeah, you're almost like you, you don't sure want to hurt too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know it's gonna happen, but you know, I, I can't really believe it yet. Mm. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be emotional for for a lot of people, yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, those like sure. me, like holding their tickets for like two years and just waiting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, no, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, um, a lot of people held on to the tickets. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, gonna be people that go to Liquidity are not the type to like just resell and move on to the next festival. I think it's a very unique yeah. type of... I don't know if you get that from playing there, but me going there a few times, it's a completely different vibe from... Any other festival? Oh no, yeah, that's that's game. why we stick with Liquidity. That's why we love Liquidity so much. It's really like a, a different type of community. 
that's something on its own yeah. like apart from drum and bass itself it's it's you know a living organism yeah yeah, yeah. and especially at the festival i mean when, when we're at the festival we don't just stick backstage and uh, have fun with all the artists of, of course we do but we're there to enjoy the festival as well yeah, yeah. just as fans you know just walking around dancing uh having drinks having glass with just random people you meet yeah I guess it's the kind of festival you just want to go to as well. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you sure. just want to enjoy For it. Sure. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want to switch slightly because the, so I mentioned in the intro, your remix, uh, remix album came out last month, I think, or, or was it January? I forget, but recently. Um, how, how was the reception on that remix album so far? It was uh, pretty, pretty great, actually. Yeah, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't have too many expectations, so things, you know, turn out great more easily. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised by how, um, how well it got, uh, got received, and uh, very happy to, to see all the uh remixers actually getting some new opportunities like uh, john void he texted me today like thank you so much for the for the opportunity because through that remix he now has a release uh, on viper coming up oh, so uh yeah yeah so that's pretty cool yeah nice extras how, how does the the process of of actually putting together a remix album go like do you have like okay these are like the 15 artists i absolutely want on this and then you kind of see who wants to do it or not like what's the what does that process look like yeah kind of um i had like yeah about 15 artists and i sent them all the message and um most of them were immediately uh positive and uh they were willing to do it um we had a couple that didn't make the cut the final cut um but yeah uh it was it was basically that and then mm -hmm. like the ones that didn't uh, make the cut i had to find different people you know for it so uh, mm. uh we started the process again basically but with less uh, producers yeah. and uh yeah it worked out really quickly actually really uh, smooth yeah, yeah. I, th I think only uh, the, the Laos remix wasn't really on our, on our list to have Laos. The Laos remix was really late. Like that one, um, I was talking to Yanni uh, on Facebook anyways. And uh, then suddenly this remix came up. He, he asked me, I think, like, do, do you still have something to remix? And I gave him Afterlife because um, uh, Diamond Eyes was supposed to do this. But um, he didn't get to it in time, so we gave it to Laos, like, I yeah, think he, two weeks, he, he maybe even a week before the deadline. Yeah. I think it was actually Seriously. a week, yeah, a week before the deadline, and uh, he nailed it, like, <laughs> boom. Yeah, he, he wanted to be mixed afterwards, so he was asking him. for the stamps, because he just liked the vocal so much, and then... Um, he had no idea that we were actually working on the remix album. He just wanted to, to, to have a go at it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, that, so that, that, that came out perfectly. So yeah, he didn't hear that he didn't hear that like other people were remixing and he yeah, had no like, idea, oh. no. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how, how everything came together because there were more instances like this before that. And uh yeah, everything came together perfect. 
Yeah. Because the album's already two years old, like, well, in 2020. So it's not like it just came out and he was like, oh, yeah, I want to remix this. It's like two years later and it just happens. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's it's really cool because that's that's one of my favorites from from the album. Uh, so it's funny to hear like how it happened. Um, but yeah, the, the vibes on that one are really smooth. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I love the, how versatile is it, it is as an album. There's like the really like the Talamic one I knew way before because I think it came out maybe a year ago or, or less. Um, and a huge fan of Talamic. Uh, had him twice on the podcast. Love everything he does. So that one's one of my favorites. And then you have like the closing track. I forget who did it. I think it's, it's a Hello Demo, no? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's like that, like hugely like saturated, like compressed, like thing in your face, like opposite entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what, do you remember what you th you thought when you heard that remix like first, <laughs> or did you know what to expect? Um, um, I think we heard it in uh, Melbourne first, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, mm. which is a big club in Amsterdam. We, we yeah, did a video show show. there, and it was it was the first live show that they that the guys did because they just started. Okay. Um, and they played it to us there, and yeah, but I, I don't think we both had any idea what to expect. Obviously, we know them, so we kind of know the direction it might go into, but that that's just, that's all we knew. Mm. Yeah, it was impressive. <laughs> it was yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I'm like. How do you produce that? Yeah, yeah, Lucas, <laughs> Lucas, he's a mastermind, yeah. sound design mastermind. Yeah. You can, you can get them on the podcast and tell them, or ask them how they made it. And you'll probably end up uh, listening to, to both of them talk for about a day and a half. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once, once you go production now, they'll, they'll just dive in deep and ah, nice. bunch stuff. That's the, that's the best. That's how you know they're like motivated. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like Alex on your side, how, cause from what I, I read, I actually didn't notice, but you're kind of, as a duo, you're quite unique in terms of production. Uh, that's mostly you, Jeroen, and then DJing is actually the both of you. Um, so how much Alex, did you get like involved in this, this remix project? Um, well, I think basically with this project, that's where the whole project, Gerard is just completely in the lead. It's, it's, it's his project. Um, that's what we decided on a long time ago. Uh, well, obviously, uh, whenever there's something finished or nearly, nearly finished or something in the works, uh, John sends it over and he's always happy uh, uh, with me to get feedback. Um, but, uh, and, and yeah, obviously, make sure that we do the road test of the modern music and mm. get feedback from that. But mainly, it's just, yeah, John's production. Mm. How, how did that... Uh... It's actually a question I got from the man Tilamic himself uh, over on, on Patreon. He was asking, uh, what caused the transition from working solo as just yourself, Jeroen, to bringing Alex on board? And what was that like? Um, well, it was, it was pretty easy, actually, because it was really early stage. Like, we, we weren't well known yet at all, or I wasn't. Um, I think I had my just had my first uh, liquidity release, which was frozen in time. And I think that's 
about the exact moment I asked you, Alex, to join? Yeah, I think uh, maybe a bit before when uh, what was it the John Mayer bootleg? The John Mayer bootleg. The, the maybe yeah. it was the same story, but with the John Mayer bootleg, um, that popped off, and you know, I started getting some bookings here and there, but I didn't know how to play. <laughs> uh music <laughs> i really sucked at it and uh so yeah i i um at the same time i was also joining like this event organization which is uh hosting champion sound which i'm still doing right now and alex uh isn't anymore but has done for a long time um and so alex was already in that organization and i joined and um I knew that he was the best DJ there. So, you know, there was only one person to ask to join me, to yeah. teach me at the ways. And um, uh, yeah, also join me on this journey, uh, which I do not regret at all. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so I'm curious because it's a, it's, it's a common story of like, musician producers they start producing it's just on soundcloud then they get a bit of traction they get some bookings and then they learn they learn to dj um i guess yeah i guess my question was why what what made you think of bringing somebody else on board rather than just i guess learning yourself and learning to dj um it was also definitely a psychological thing i i had like huge stage fright mm -hmm. um so I just felt much more comf comfortable and confident with uh, a, a DJ who actually knew how to DJ uh, next to me. And that way I could, you know, learn both at the same time, learn how to DJ and learn how to be on stage, how to be comfortable on stage. Mm. And um, yeah, thanks to that decision, I managed to do both at the same time. And uh, yeah. I'm doing really well now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Drone just stands on the stage the whole time, you know, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mike yeah. in his hand and uh, go all But I think, um, obviously, I'm really thankful for, for because I, I'll, I'll, yeah, uh, I gave production a try, but, but never really took off. Uh, also, time wise, I'm much better in just organizing stuff and, and, and DJing. Um, but I think um, um, if, if, you, if you just start up, and you get booked for some small events, it might be pretty doable, you know, start DJing, you got about 50 people in front of you, but the inquiries that Jerome got at that point um, were either for Champion Sound or the Laquisties, which just mm. started coming to you. I mean, they just started promoting events. Um, so yeah, otherwise the first events that you'd be doing solo would be, I think, in Paradiso in Antwerp or something like it, or one of the, the, the bigger Champion Sounds in The Hague. Mm. Um, and that's still can be pretty pretty uh pretty hard if you don't really know how to dj or you got stage fight or whatsoever because it's a huge crowd in front of you yeah do you still get a bit of of stage fright or is that completely behind you now um i have to say like the first gig that we did i was a little bit like can i still can i still dj at all you know yeah after the pandemic but, after the pandemic yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but um no not really like i just need i just need a little moment maybe sometimes to get into it but um 
once I get into it, I get into it good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, there's always just this moment, you know, of having a chat backstage, listening to the DJ play before you, and then having to make the switch to, okay, I'm up next, uh, mm. I'll play now. So, um, um, and that's, I'm, the, the, it, it's not stage fright. It might be a bit nervous, but I think it's also, you know, just to switch, the, yeah, switch your, your, your game mode, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like now I'm responsible for this, this party. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think everything that, that takes a big responsibility kind of gets your, you know. Exactly. If you, if you have to do a presentation, uh, no matter how well you know your presentation and stuff, once you start the presentation, all the people that are listening to you, it's still, okay, don't fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and usually if the first five minutes go all right then yeah then the, I, th I think the first mix basically is just the most important for, for how you feel um mm. as long as you use loads and you got your headphones on and you do the first mix then it's just yeah even it, if the first mix on. even if the first mix goes bad um that can still like give you that that confidence, like yeah, it's it's okay, the first mix. It doesn't have to go good or whatsoever. Yeah, and like, now we're gonna fuck it up. Yeah, do you think you would have you you would say the same thing like ten years ago? Like <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, <laughs> ten years ago I would be like making one mistake and then yeah. I know cry inside and be scared as hell to make another mistake yeah yeah uh, it, it gets easier to put the stuff behind you and it's also easy that you play with usbs or cds so you can you know but when i when i when i started djing with vinyl um being nervous while having to play really sucks because you have to put the needle on the vinyl you actually have to touch stuff, yeah. <laughs> you have to touch stuff. <laughs> and if you're just shaking like this you can't Put the needle at the beginning so you always put it to someone near the beginning you have to play it back and it always takes time and it skips again and oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot harder yeah i'm i'm not fully sure what you're talking about because it feels very like, <laughs> <laughs> i've i've never i have like four vinyls at home and i've never played them like i've received them and like <laughs> feels like a long time ago <laughs> but um uh, yeah, no, but it, yeah, t t sorry, go ahead. No, no, that, that, that's how it goes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, 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 it, it gets easier. Um, and then also, uh, but you said, if you make a fuck up and yeah, it, it's a lot easier to put it behind you. I mean, world is humans after all. You just do your best and it's, sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and back in the days, I think yeah, what you said counts for me as well. I could spend the rest of the set, uh, even though I played the best set I ever did afterwards, I could still be like, yeah, fuck this mix up. Yeah, it's in your, yeah. it's all in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm curious when you, so Alex, when you joined, like, did did you want to contribute to productions as well? Like, was that something you were interested in, or was it like clear from the start we each have our own responsibilities? Or? No, no, definitely. At the, when we started, we 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 had the great idea of just you know combining the stuff. So, so. Um, the, my DJ skills and George's production skills and just, you know, both of us. And we're still combining them out, but in a different way. Um, yeah, the Jerome, idea was... Oh, sorry. Yeah, the, the steps that Jerome made production-wise were just... He, he went on so fast. Um, and I had my... Yeah, I had my daytime job uh, doing the events, doing the DJing. Um, so I could have put the time in there to, to keep off. 
uh, even if I wanted to. Yeah. And that, that's when I made the decision, for, at least for myself, okay, you know, just, just we'll, we'll let this be. And we had a chat about it. And we both agreed that it would work perfect the way that it was working. So. Mm. Yeah. That feels really cool because it really feels like both playing to your actual strengths, like looking, okay, what's my strengths? What are your strengths? How much time do we each have to allocate to this? And then working with that. I haven't, yeah. I, do, do you guys know any other duos that work the way you do? Because I don't. <laughs> no, I don't actually. No, I, th I think TSU kind of started mm -hmm. off like this. Kind of. It's yeah. Although Flip is already always in studio when Ron yeah. is working, so mm -hmm. um, you know Flip is always in the songwriting process involved. Yeah, uh, exactly. And a lot of production too. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no. I don't know. So if there are any duos, just let us know. It's always good to have a chat about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why I was here to to talk about it because it's uh it's not something I've heard before. Like you always hear drone based duos that just start together producing and then they DJ together or or yeah that's kind of it like that's yeah. usually how it goes, that's usually <laughs> how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but i i guess we were a bit before the days of like this whole standard so to say there weren't many duos at all yet but like there there also weren't really like these producer duos that you see now, like you see them pop up everywhere, like all the time. But it wasn't really that much of a thing yet back then. Like, mm -hmm. I guess we got into drum and bass before Fred V and graphics were even a duo, you know, just for example. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That, yeah, that gives some perspective. <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like they've been there forever. <laughs> yeah, and same with same with Camel and Crooked. Like I knew Camel and Crooked before they were together. Oh shit! Yeah. So you you've really been here a long time, definitely before the K-pop band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so may, t t tell me how you actually got into into production. Like, were you a like a musician beforehand, or was it straight straight into production? <laughs> I mean, musician well, in terms of a like musician, a musician. I, I had some guitar lessons for, for like two, three years, maybe. Um, and I did like extra music, uh, courses in high school, but you know, other than that, that was actually the time I, I got inspired to actually want to be a musician was during my high school period because I had a teacher and she was like really inspiring. Um, and she, she kind of pushed me to actually pursue it, even though I didn't do it straight out of high school. Um, because I, I don't know, I didn't think I could do it actually. Like, I didn't feel like I was actually already a musician. You know, I, I felt like a guy who could play guitar and sing a little bit, you know, mm. But um, eventually, like as I was studying photography first, um, eventually I, I learned about uh, electronic music production and um, I got so interested in, in this specific thing, this specific way of making music because I didn't have to learn an instrument. I already knew the instrument because I was already, you know, kind of good with computers. Um, so it was just like figuring out this this software and uh that's when 
when it happened. Mm. And so was it drum and bass from, from the start or did you go through your um, no, heart, it was heart actually, style phase? And <laughs> no, it was actually hip hop first okay. because I was always listening to hip hop mostly. Um, lots of other stuff too, but like hip hop was really the main genre I listened to growing up. And uh, yeah, so I was I was rapping a little bit and okay. making some beats with uh, with a homie, Mark. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another. I discovered uh, I discovered Fruity Loops in the same time because we were doing the beats together in in Logic first. And then I discovered Fruity Loops. And uh, at the same time, some other friends showed me Netsky, mm. and I was like, "Holy shit, what is this?" <laughs> this Netsky and Danny Bird, like those two, were like, "Holy shit, blowing my mind." And uh, that's when I decided, like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna try and make some drum and bass like by myself." And uh, I just started doing it like every day, and yeah, <laughs> that that didn't end at all, like first. <laughs> eight years or something like every day I was making music. So, so I guess from the start, you took it like super like seriously. It wasn't like a, a hobby at the start. And then one day you were like, okay, no, from now on. It was on, really too. like, I found my passion. Like okay. I knew this was it, you know, this was well, like something else. Nice. Yeah. And, and so when did the, I guess the connection with liquidity happen? Because uh, you put out most of your stuff today with, with Liquidity. Um, that's actually a cool story because um, uh, it was Oscar from Submatic. He discovered uh, two tracks that I had released on a label called Liquid Tones. And um, yeah, he was like, holy shit, how are you still so, uh, so small? And um, I was like, uh, because I just started, <laughs> but, um, I was, I was so happy that a guy from liquidity, like I was already a huge fan from liquidity and, uh, like I listened to that mostly like that was the music that the main music that I was listening to, like Remesis B, Kino, Submatic, these guys. Faint. Uh, faint. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, um, that's how I got in touch with the first Liquidity artist. He just discovered one track on SoundCloud, so it was it was pure luck that he, he fell on a track. And uh, then he was like pushing my music every time from that moment um, to Maris, the owner of Liquidity. And um, at some point, I had the John Mayer bootleg, and this one was right for them so they uploaded it and that's where it all started mm. <laughs> i mean i i kind of just made the connection when we were talking earlier about the festival of like the liquidity family being like a family that maybe it comes back to just the youtube days because it was just a youtube channel and people were just fan of the youtube channel and all the music that came from there and it grew organically from from there into all the events. Yeah. Whereas if you compare it to like another festival that just appears, there's no reason to be like a hardcore fan of that festival because it kind of just appeared out of nowhere. So yeah. maybe there's a link there. Yeah, and it's actually a beautiful thing if you think about it. Like Maris just started this this brand 
like he made he just made this up and found like specific tracks and put them all together on one channel yeah. and this inspired a whole wave of music producers to yeah, do <laughs> to make this brand what it is today you know it's fucking awesome yeah <laughs> for, for what about you alex like when did you were you like a, an old school youtube fan of liquidity as well or um not really no of course i knew the channel um but um when the Christie started i'm not really sure when the youtube channel started i think i was just you know visiting my first two base events myself um and i wasn't i was into liquid but more you know the real deeper stuff the, the bookum stuff the the the, 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 the cannabis stuff um, yeah. um and the whole youtube thing uh, i think and I'm, i really started to sound old that was something from the generation after mine <laughs> uh, we were still, you know, in, 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 uh, I mean, I, I, like I said, I started playing vinyl. Um, I went to Cities a lot later on. Uh, we're still stuck on, on Ducks on Acid, on the, the Dutch store base forum that we had, uh, yeah. promoting events with the likes of, of Aphrodite, that company. Um, um, and bit by bit, of course, I got to know the channel. I saw, I saw okay, cool, it's all based on YouTube, nice, nice. And I kind of grew into it, I think. Um, mm. And eventually, uh, a colleague of mine, I'm still doing the dishes in some restaurant somewhere in Delft, and a colleague of mine, she came to me, hey, you, you like drum and bass, right? I was already promoting events, uh, DJing. Um, uh, yeah, th this guy, he works at my dad's, and he just, you know, he made this music. And I was like, okay, hey, this is Liquidity Cool. And that was the first, Maduk's first upload, ever. Okay. Oh, wow. uh, that's how really knew, that's how I got in touch with Mark, uh, with Maduk. Um, and that, that's kind of how the liquidity journey started for me. Yeah. But I didn't uh, really grow up with the channel. For me, it was just, you know, browsing chemical uh, chemical records. You just go to the record stores. And, you actually taught Maddox how to DJ, right? As well. We, we, we gave him his first drum and bass uh, DJ instructions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he came, he came from, from techno, as, as Marcus. Uh, but yeah, obviously he liked drum and bass a lot more. And when he got his releases, he got inquiries, inquiries as well. Um, and we got in touch. And I think the first time that we actually met was in Leiden. Um, so it's your own time. Uh, at Bart's place, Jigsaw, uh, who was still doing the Champion Sound events with us. And yeah, we, we, we kind of took him to how to mix the whole bass. Obviously, yeah, within just one session, he got the whole of it. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a cool story to tell, like you taught Maduk. DJ. <laughs> yeah, and it's now it, it, it came full circle now. Obviously, me working for the Christie and getting there full yeah, time yeah. From, from the early days on. So yeah, yeah. How does it feel to be like working for Liquidity now? Um, I think um, my girlfriend she, she asked me the question. Okay, what if you win like fifty million euro, fifty million euro today? Um, would you still do this? Yeah, of course I would. So that, that's mm -hmm. kind of how it feels. Yeah, that's the perfect answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's that's when you know you found the perfect job. It's like exactly. I yeah, I just put it in the bank and continue. Like yeah. what else would I do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't need anything else to do. It's just just this, yeah. you know, for promoting events and just basically pushing the music that I love. It's you know, what I've been doing ever since. Basically, I got in touch with all base. Yeah. So so how did you get in touch with with Round Base without mentioning any? years or days if you don't want to <laughs> no, no no that's fine i'm not i'm not sure i, I think it was I literally was just a kid where my dad came home with logical progression uh, one of the first lj bookham albums and it kind of became the sunday evening soundtrack um mm. at dinner um 
and I started to really like it. And then obviously you dive into it. Um, I kind of forgot about it in between some years in high school. It still was the music on Sunday evening. Um, but I had a friend of mine, he got, he got to know drum bass. He played it to me and I was like, I know this music, this, this proper stuff. And then, then it all just started. But yeah, the main reason is my dad. Okay. Well, was he a DJ or just a, just a fan of the music? Just a fan. Okay. He's, yeah, he's yeah. always been a fan of good music for some reason. You know, I got introduced to 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 guys like Underworld, uh, the Fat Boy Slim. He came out with it, uh, and then LJ Bookham and all kinds of electronic music um, via him. A man of taste. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And so, and so, when did uh, the actual DJing come in? Like, when did you? Was that a friend that introduced you to DJing, or? Um, I think my dad might have some influence on it because he used to make his own soundscapes, you know, his own radio soundscape show. So he had a small mixer. Um, mm-hmm. So I think um, in high school, first class, I had my, I celebrated my birthday and my dad was like, yeah, we could do like a, a small party. So, you know, just speakers in the living room. He got his mixer out. He had two CD players and he just put on some music and I really liked it. Um, and I figured, okay, I want to do this next year. So yeah, I saved up for my for my first mixer and just started DJing with it. Well, once I finally had it, mm-hmm. um, and then the whole drum bass thing started. And I think the first actual drum bass show that I did with turntables must have been yeah, two thousand five. The first show I promoted as well. Mm-hmm. But I just got into it because so yeah, I liked. It. I always had a fascination for buttons and the music and just pushing stuff and see what happens. <laughs> I think I actually demolished quite some needles of my my, my, my parents' uh, turntable at home. Uh, just you know, there's a plate on it. Okay, cool, that's fine. I can scratch with it, and then yeah, an hour later, your mom comes in. You mom, what the fuck have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, I wasn't allowed to touch you know the the the, the receiver at home uh, because probably I, I, I messed up messed it up again. Yeah, um, but that's gonna be the whole time. So yeah, I have my own mix, I have my own CD players. Just just. Kind of took that off my pants, um, mm. and that's how it started. And then eventually, I got drama bass, and I figured, okay, more people need to know drama bass because then it was just you know a small group, small group of people. Wherever you went, every party you went to, you met the same people. Mm. Um, and I figured, okay, we need to do something about it. Friends of mine thought the same, and that's how I started promoting events and DJing. Yeah, and so you mentioned uh, before that you started producing a bit as well. Was that around the same time or, or later on? Yeah, somewhere during high school, uh, Fruity Loops as well, a uh, friend of mine uh, in the same apartment complex, he, he had Fruity Loops and he, he was into it. So I just, you know, started doing that um, late at night uh, during the weekends, uh, just all kind of, kind of music, just, you know, in the random atmospherical stuff. Yeah. And I think then really puberty hit, so, you know, you change the action, you go after girls, <laughs> you go out and just the production was just okay, yeah. Forget about it. I think my computer quest as well once, and then the music I was working on just didn't sound the same anymore. You know, all the money's gone. I was like, yeah, okay, fuck it, I'm on. I, uh, <laughs> I get, I, yeah, I guess you didn't have like the, <clears throat> like a, a, a super strong passion or drive to actually create the, the music. No, 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 no. I liked it, but I couldn't spend hours, you know, just tweaking this sound, tweaking that sound. Yeah, yeah. So you're very happy to leave that to, to somebody else now. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let me select the music and then do, do, yeah. be the DJ and uh, and, uh, and yeah in the background you know just let me let me organize stuff promote stuff uh, book stuff yeah. get, get stuff done yeah. that's more me yeah because I guess then you do are you like the booking agent for NCT or like 
Um, well, yeah, uh, I, I started my own agency with a couple of friends, Compass Agency, years ago. Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously, and Steve was part of the roster as well. We just joined with MB Artist uh, yeah. this year. Um, just Mark and I, and that's actually the same Mark that Jerome started uh, producing with. MB. Okay. Um, and I used to be NCT's agent, yeah, uh, but eventually it got kind of weird, especially when I started doing bookings for Liquidity. I actually had to book NCT by contact, contacting me. So that, you know, that's, yeah, that's kind of weird. weird. Hey, Alex, it's Alex here. Yeah, I want to book Alex. Like it's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mark's doing that now. Okay. Kind of curious, because I don't think I've spoken with a lot of... Uh with booking agents or before on this podcast and i'm always like interested in uh exploring i guess different ways to make a living in music besides just making music um and so i love exploring different ways people actually make a living and so so how what does it actually entail like being a being a booking agent what does a typical booking agent do um, well, I'm not really sure whether I'm a typical booking agent, but yeah, obviously you try to get the, 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 the best shows for your artists against uh, uh, the best possible fee on the best possible time slot, etc. So you're, yeah, you're, you're networking the whole time, um, both with your artists, you know, you want to know what's coming up, where they want to go, what are the shows that they're aiming for. Um, if they got, you know, their release schedule, you try to forward it to, to, to promoters, uh, just to get, make sure that they get to know your artists or if they know them, that they know that they've got, you know, big stuff going up. Mm. Uh, so it will be a good time to book them. Um, so, so it's, yeah, selling and marketing and also a bit managing your, your artists, especially the artists that we have at MB because they don't have their own manager, at least most of them don't. Mm. Um, and the whole reason we started the agency was just to make sure that guys like Jerome, but also, you know, other friends of us, Dualistic, the, the, the whole Christie, the younger Christie guys, um, there was so much talent, but they had to deal with everything themselves when bookings came in. Mm. And the main reason we thought, okay, you know, we, we know how it is to be an artist, we know how it is to be a promoter. Um, so let's make sure that we take all those details away from, from the artists themselves. Um, so mm. they can just focus on making music, preparing the sets and have a good time. And they don't have to worry, worry about whether there's, there's enough for them to drink, whether the gears or wine, stuff like that. Mm. Um, okay. And I'm still thinking that that's next thing, obviously getting your, your artists the best shows. That's the main responsibility of being an agent. Make life as easy as possible for your artists so they can just focus yeah. on what they're good at. Yeah. But so, yeah, there's almost like a, almost like a coaching, I guess, aspect of like, newcomers of like just kind of maybe teaching them how this whole thing works once you start getting shows or yeah 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 yeah. but we always try at least mark and i always try to do that yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's well, still well, still you know pushing what we believe in pushing the music what we believe in and we don't yeah, need to, yeah. yeah of course making money of it eventually becomes not the primary goal but always helps to go on with it yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, the main goal is just to push it and to make sure that that, that the best music gets out there in the best places. Yeah. So, so, what what advice would you give maybe to I don't know somebody who would be interested in in working in that kind of that kind of field? Um, as an agent, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, basically, make sure that your network is big enough. Um, and, um, yeah, you have to be, I mean, obviously you have to be, be social, you have to know how to network and you also have to, yeah, still negotiation is always a part of it. Mm. 
So, so be prepared to to enter negotiations. That's it. It's no. not. It's it's not always all fun and games. Uh, of course, it is yeah. because it's about to base. But yeah, there's always negotiations that have to be done. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to have the sales sales yeah, yeah, aspect yeah, in you. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I could never do that. I'm a shitty salesperson. <laughs> I'm very happy behind my computer, just like dealing with numbers or whatever. But yeah, I, I can't really negotiate. Trust me, a lot of artists need that as well. Someone who can deal with numbers. So yeah, there might be something in there. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, just want to go to another uh, Patreon question. Um, this this is for, more for Jeroen, but... Um, uh, I'm actually not really sure, but are you originally from Estonia or were you just living living in Estonia at one stage? Because um, I, I know just, you, you moved. Yeah, I was just uh, living there for um, about five months. Okay. Uh, so I've always lived in the Netherlands before that, grew up here. And um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, try try that out for, for once, like uh, try, try out living in a different country. Um, I chose a country where um, I had only good experiences and um, a country where I knew some people already who were, uh, you know, not the not the least uh, artists over there. Um, the boys from Cartoon, um, yeah. they they are huge over there, so it was very easy for me to you know get introduced to all the songwriters. Um, I, I met like the the whole top uh, people of, of musicians in Estonia. Like we went to the Estonian Music Awards, and uh, I met a ton of people there as well, like new people. Um, so yeah, it was really easy to get in touch with the with the people that I would want to get in touch with over there. Um, and uh yeah so so it was the right decision to go there and uh, try that out because it was also really easy for me that way to uh because i was already kind of known there uh like yeah. we've we've played there a bunch of times um so once people got the word that i moved there they started booking me really quickly wow, nice. so i had loads of gigs already um so yeah that that made it really easy everyone was really supportive of uh of what i was doing so were you were you djing alone in estonia yeah, yeah. Oh, how did that go it went really <laughs> surprisingly well actually <laughs> surprisingly well however um in estonia it's like not all events are purely drum and bass events but people love drum and bass and it's mainstream it's a mainstream genre like you hear it on the radio all the time oh shit okay um but like there are events where people want to hear drum and bass house uh like stuff like all kinds of edm in one set you know um, oh in the same set and, in the same set yeah so even if i would play they would expect like me to go outside of the comfort zone of playing okay. just drum and bass and playing all sorts of music um so i tried that out once <laughs> <laughs> how do you even do that like <laughs> uh, i don't know i was playing back to back with uh hugo from cartoon and okay. um, it was fun it was fun definitely but um you know it was, I don't know. It just didn't. 
it just didn't feel as right as I expected it to feel. I, I thought like it would be, you know, it would be fun to do, but I didn't enjoy it as much as just playing like a full drum and bass set. I don't know why exactly. I can't, I still can't really explain why I felt like that. Maybe it's just a matter of like practicing it more and uh, getting, getting a better hang of it. Mm. But um, yeah, for now I'm sticking to just drum and bass. <laughs> yeah. But I imagine even as a, like as a, me as a listener, as a raver, I wouldn't really enjoy a multi multi genre set because it's it's hard to like get in the the groove or get into a mood if you're switching from one seven four to house tune yeah. to dubstep all the way up to techno. Or it's like like what I, I, mood I am I supposed if, to be? If in? it's done right, then then obviously um, it can work pretty well. It can uh, definitely work. Like look at the guys like uh, Diplo, you know, they're, they're okay. doing it for sure. But it's really difficult to, yeah, 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 have yeah, the yeah. whole the the whole the right vibe throughout the whole set, like you're saying. Especially if drum and bass is the bass, you know, if it, if it's the bass line of the set, um, yeah, you always switch back to drum and bass. That makes it difficult. If drum and bass is, you know, one of the outliers in the set as well, that I think that might make it a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're focused around like house, it's it, it might be easier to do like other styles that are quite similar, slightly faster, slightly slower. If you're all the yeah. way up to 174, it's like, how, how do you move back? <laughs> yeah, you, you, can switch, you can switch tunes from time to time, but not too much, because obviously the, the, the main tempo is 174. And that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ah, that's interesting. But yeah, so I had a, like, a question from a, on Patreon from Telamik, who was asking, um, how, how is the drum and bass scene in Estonia compared to, to the Netherlands? Um, it's... Yeah, it's pretty different, like, because it's mainstream over there, which is really weird. Like, it's something you really need to get used to. That Well, I need, I had that. Like, I, I a couple times I stepped into a taxi and there was drum and bass playing. And <laughs> one time it wasn't even on the radio. It was like, I, I actually asked this guy, like, wait, are you listening to, like, a set from Fabric? I saw, like, Fabric. <laughs> on the radio screen and i was like what the fuck that's so oh, weird. <laughs> and this guy was like 42 or something and uh, he was just like yeah yeah uh, i've been listening uh i've been raving to drum and bass for like 10 years and uh, i've been listening to it for so long and uh so he was really like a diehard <laughs> die drum and bass fan and i just like randomly he was my taxi driver and uh, this happened, like stuff like this happened all the time, like where I would hear drum and bass and I was like, I would be like, what? how do you know this stuff? Like everyone seemed to seem to know drum and bass. Um, so that, but then again, it's a really small country. It's like 1.2 million uh, okay. citizens. And um, yeah, so the Netherlands, the scene in the Netherlands is probably bigger um but relatively it's way smaller yeah like yeah way smaller yeah um because with drum and bass in estonia you can actually you know get like a, a huge hit and get like awards like but like awards in in a pop music like mainstream uh, awards yeah. yeah yeah mainstream awards which is insane i think and uh, I think the Netherlands should really do some shit like that too, like host some some 
awards for EDM or some something like that, which doesn't just incorporate like the mainstream big genres, but also other stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting country for sure. Like uh, we yeah. could we could all learn a lot from that country, that little country right there. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been, but uh, from what you're saying, it it sounds like my kind of country. If you step it's into taxis country, and there's yeah. drum and bass, and like yeah. generally, they're they're very forward thinking people. Like very, yeah, good like good minded people. I, I mm. have have met so few people. I, I don't even think I met one person that I really didn't like. Mm. What, wasn't it Estonia that did this uh, like virtual like citizenship that you could become a yeah I, I may be confusing with e-residency yeah e-residency uh, I yeah. think they're like the, one of the only countries like you can become an e-resident of Estonia yeah like that seems like 2049 shit <laughs> yeah it's really cool like all this kind of stuff that they do yeah. it's uh, a very interesting country yeah yeah sick um gonna slowly wrap this up uh just want to close off with one last question from from patreon uh and that's from uh harry who admits that he's not familiar with your music even though he heard your name uh, and saw it a lot but he was asking what would be uh, a key track that you guys would recommend for him to kind of like get into your music like where should he start Oh, that's difficult <laughs> because like I, I, I would automatically, almost automatically right now say Afterlife because it's our biggest hit ever yeah. and it's doing so well and uh, it's for a reason, I think. I mean, yeah, but then again, yeah, if, if do you want to start at the beginning or do you want to start <laughs> yeah, at, for, for first the TV. end somewhere? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess like if, if you want to hear what you can expect from us the most in the future, it's stuff like afterlife mm. similar to that and even like more dance floory, but you know, that's the, the kind of the energy that we're going to continue to put into our music. Yeah. yeah. Awesome guys. It's been a been a pleasure meeting you guys Likewise. chatting with you Likewise. really enjoyed it um before we shut off maybe let people know any upcoming projects that you have that you want to talk about releases any events that you guys are playing soon that people people can check out um we've got a collaboration with zombie cats coming out uh, that's pretty soon right on the this month yeah. i think this month um which is coming out on not liquidity but our first galaxy uh mm, yeah so it's not only dance floor that's coming from us yeah yeah, yeah. i love we got a little roller coming out um and it's a it's a, a really nice track so um, i'm excited for that release and um yeah we've got a bunch of bunch of releases lined up after that and a lot of stuff that we're still working on but not gonna spill too much about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah when right. it comes to when it comes to shows i think the main thing obviously we've got quite some shows lined up the next couple of months but the main thing is just the, the liquidity festival we'll be there mm -hmm. the whole weekend 
Um, and we'll be, you know, if you, if you want to have a chat, if you want to have a drink with us, we'll probably walk around the terrain the whole time, except when we have, when we do always say, come say hi. Yeah, always come yeah, say yeah. hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I feel like it's going to be just one huge communion of people just yeah. enjoying themselves and having fun. And all okay. the, I feel like all the artists are just going to be like mingling with people because they're just going to want to feel that atmosphere. So I've, I've already had so many requests from artists that we booked that were like, yeah, okay, can, can I stay for another day or can I stay for the whole week? And I don't mind booking my own time. I just want to, you know, experience the festival the whole time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah, like no. that. It's going to be sick. Yeah. Sick, sick, sick. All right, brilliant guys. Gonna leave you to your evening. Uh, best of luck with everything. And uh, yeah, thanks again for your time. You're welcome, you, and you too. Take care. Cheers. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Bye bye. Peace.